is the Amadon Planet Podcast, episode 68. I'm your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Matthew Mifflin. And Matthew is the musical director of the Amadon Planet Podcast. So every, and when you hear that, that awesome music at the beginning and end of our episodes, that's from Matt. And he is a artist and songwriter with... Phrygian Frog Music Professionals and Phrygian Frog Records, and he's got lots of music that he's been released. He's been on this ep- on the podcast a few t- uh, a few times before, and he has become uh, someone who I wanted to share some hot takes with. So I was listening to the Broken Record podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. It's from Malcolm Gladwell, Rick Rubin, and um, they talk to artists. I think they call it Digital Liner Notes. Um, Liner Notes for the Digital Era. I think that's exactly what it's called. And I was listening to one of their episodes where Rick Rubin is talking with Robert Plant, so the lead singer of Led Zeppelin and also a recent collaborator with Alison Krauss. And amazing music, amazing music. And the way he was talking about music and these things that were coming up, I'm walking the dog and I'm having all sorts of different like ideas for these parallels between um, – music and teaching and the creative process because I'm thinking a lot about creativity and and teaching lately and uh, because of one of the books I'm reading which is how to save uh, how to save how the arts can save education by Erica Halverson another episode uh, that we'll talk about anyway so I had a bunch of like ah, ideas about parallels between music creation and teaching and the creative kind of uh, endeavors both of them are and I'm like I want to talk to and so and, and I knew Matt had some epi- uh, some new um, uh, tracks that he had just released. And I'm like, hey, let's do this. Let's put it together. Uh, and so that's what this is. And so it's, it's a little all over the place, but it's some passionate guys talking about music and talking about teaching and some parallels in between them and kind of influenced by this spark of an episode with the uh, uh, Broken Record podcast by Rick Rubin and uh, Robert Plant. And so excited to share this conversation. It's... Uh, Excited to share Matt's music and it's part of his creative process. And just, yeah, here we go. Here's this, here's my conversation with Matthew Mifflin. All right. You know what? Let's, we're not wasting any more time. Matt Mifflin. Uh, we were, we were talking before we hit the record button, but fant- the musical producer of the Amazon planet podcast joined me once again, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Joel. I really am. Life has been very good to me. The last couple of years have been fantastic. A lot of things happening and and things just continue to happen to almost just open doors for me that I I couldn't have imagined them opening for me and it's been really good work has been good uh the kids are doing great family's doing great I really have no complaints Uh, the music has been wonderful and uh we're just continuing to work and and put stuff out but overall life is wonderful very thankful nice well let's get what just give an update so it's been a while since we've talked um, literally. And like, and again, I wanted to hit record as soon as possible. Cause I got a bunch of like hot takes from music and teaching. I want to throw at you, but just w- what's one thing that you want to throw out there? Like one thing, like, Hey, kind of a, like, we, we both talk about praise. What's one thing we want to send some praise up for? Oh man. I want to pray. Oh boy. I got so many. Um, uh, well, just as far as uh, the music that we're putting out, we just recently put out a single last week called better safe than sorry. Nice. Um, and we've had a couple before that, uh, the pace and this too shall pass <clears throat> and things are really starting to flow uh, musically from not only a songwriting standpoint and recording, but also the producing and mixing. I feel like, um, we're really hitting a sweet spot and things are starting to roll and get out faster and sound even, you know, better and better. It seems like we're getting better and better each track that we release. And, and that's been really cool to experience. 
And it seems like, I mean, that's a lot of tracks that you talked about. And it's, I mean, is that process of, you know, idea, record, mix, like, is that process accelerating as well? Or like, are you doing more in that? I don't know, like what, what's going on there? Well, even just to back it up a little bit, even the songs that I sent to Phrygian Frog record label at the beginning were songs that I had written seven years ago. You know, so we are putting out songs that I have written years ago. But in the meantime, there has been, you know, I've been recording and writing at home a lot. So we are really, really getting quite a, a back catalog, if you will, nice. um, that I look at as a songwriter and quote unquote musician as kind of insurance. I mean, we've yeah. got things to pick and choose from and they just kind of, it just, it, again, it just has a flow to it now where we're really starting to knock out the older songs. And that's where we're, we're able to release them a little faster each and every time. But then also we have a lot of songs to look forward to releasing as well. And that's very exciting. You know, it doesn't feel like we're just putting out six or seven songs and then you know, we'll wait a year and put them out, you know, put another one out. It's, yeah. it's going to be a continual kind of thing. And it, it really has been very exciting and, and a little bit of uh, good, healthy pressure too. to feel yeah, like yeah. I need to, you know, get, get my end done better, quicker, faster. Um, and then, you know, even on the end of producing and mixing with Jason, that, that, that is, it's just become so organic where it's just, we're kind of both on the same page and, and it's been really, I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, even, the next six months to the next year of what nice. we're going to be putting out. So at my outlet right now mostly is, is through writing. Uh, I mean, I do some, well, take that back. I got, a, <laughs> got three podcasts. I mean, my outlet is podcast. And then I do writing and, and like, you know, and so it's, and I guess, okay, so let's go to the podcast side with podcasts. It's like, I get excited about, this, the podcast and like, you know, having this conversation, want to have this conversation. And then it's like, I put it together, do the opening and close. And that, that process has gotten pretty quick. Um, and then you put that out and then it's like, whoo, share it and want to see what it, you know, how it goes in the world. Like our last episode with, uh, Jeremiah Sims is like the, the fastest any episode has been downloaded. It's kind of exciting. And then, but then that that's done. Right. And just like, I'm assuming like with you, like you have a song and you want to put out in the world and, it, and it's done and it's, but it's out there and you know, things are happening with it, but then it's like, ha the new project or the new episode. And like, yes. is that kind of like this, like, Hey, I, I, I want to get this done. I want to do it right. But then I'm excited about this next thing that I'm going to do as well. Is, is that oh, yeah. engaging in it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause yeah, you, again, as you're going through this process, cause I'm sure even with the podcast and get it, getting it done correctly, some things may take a little longer than you would like, and, and right, you right. still feel like you're moving faster, but in the back of your mind, I'm thinking, okay, this effect or this mixing tool worked really well in this song. I bet it work really well on the next one. And we start thinking about that one. So I'm sitting around playing the guitar, and I start playing that next one again and again and again and again and getting excited. And then I have to, I find myself having to kind of pull back the reins, like, okay, well, let's finish this one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... You know, I used to get so hung up on even, you know, I've only put out six songs. It's not as if I have a whole discography of well, it's six more than most. You know, right? So, well, but, but you, you know, I used to think I'm going to put this out in the world. People are either going to love it. They're going to hate it. I'm hear a lot of buzz about it. I'm going to get a lot of feedback. And that just hasn't really been the case really. I mean, there's been feedback, which has been great, both good and bad, mm -hmm. but I've learned to kind of uh, that whole, you know, let it fly, let it be free and then let it go. 
and, and that's it. You know, yeah, yeah. you kind of move on from it and I try to remove myself from it. And I find that process is, has become faster as well. And that makes it easier for me to concentrate on the work that we're doing as opposed to the results. You know, I'm yeah. hoping the results will come, but let's just keep putting it out there and, and see what happens. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right about what's next. You know, I, I just can't, I can't help but think about that. Then you think about like the contact point. So like the contact point for somebody in the future might be some, some song comes up and like, Oh wow. And they like, they listen to that. And then, and then all of a sudden like, Oh, there's a bunch of others. Like there's, <laughs> there's more. And like yes. getting that sort of momentum is like, now you have a bunch of contact points, which might show up in someone's algorithm on their musical service or whatever. And all of a sudden, like they get exposed to like, Hey, I, I'm a, I'm a Matt Mifflin fan, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, which is pretty awesome, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And Jason has been pushing uh, for that. And he, he's been great as far as pushing me to to keep going and not get hung up on the last release or whatever it is. You just kind of, yeah. you know, but the more content we have out there, as you said, then, you know, they could, especially with like a Spotify or something like that. I was listening to um, or trying to find my latest release on Spotify. Well, in order to get to my most recent release, I had to listen to a song from Kid Cudi, Taylor Swift, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that, that exposed me to that. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But I'm thinking, you know, that, that poor person who's, you know, jumping in the shower or driving in the car, like, oh, man, I just want to hear some Kid Cudi. And then a Matt, <laughs> Matthew Mifflin song pops up. But but again, the more people you can reach, as you know, you just you, you never know. It's just a complete crapshoot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I was talking about the, um, you know, kind of like the spark of this conversation was um, thinking about uh, another episode of the Robert or the Broken Record podcast, which I did episode on. That was uh, previously my most popular episode. Of the Broken Record podcast is Rick Rubin and um, Malcolm Gladwell. They talked to artists, and the latest one was Rick Rubin talking with Robert Plant, which too like legends, right? In in music, but like oh, yeah. thinking about and he's talking about the you know, finding albums and we're going to go into like that sort of thing, the, the music they had exposure to versus like, you know, having to go find it, select it. Like they'd have the radio, but the radio selections for a station were probably pretty narrow. Um, there were some things with like pirate radio in, in, uh, in the sixties with um, the boats that were in the English channel, like broadcasting, whatever. That, that's kind of rad. That was like, so was like thinking about that, that you have a curated, you know, there's curation around your music right now like if i want to listen to your music there's like oh here's this branch of music that you would that is related to yours to go into and i i mean i love that part of it that you can get exposed to things even on spotify i have my discover weekly playlist and i'll just throw that on and, and it's kind of interesting to be like huh this is what they think i listen to but it's like all of a sudden like there's something that comes on like oh oh that's that's pretty yeah. sweet like, and yeah. like you would never been exposed to that before and so it's like you get this opportunity to learn through what you've already selected, but then learning about these other things that are on the fringes and maybe a little bit different. Like, you ever heard the band Kaleo? K-A-L-E-O? That's so funny that you'd say that. No, I have not. But I also, I received a letter from Neva, from Neva, our cousin, uh -huh. Nancy's daughter uh, of, uh, maybe it's Kaleo, maybe is okay. where she's going in Greece, I think. Anyway, sorry, continue. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this, this yeah. is a, I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a rock band out of Iceland. And but oh. they play like this nasty like guitar like and I, it's one of my favorite albums. It just like and it it just bangs all the way through it. And like I was like, oh my gosh. But I would not have seen that except for 
you know, that, that curation through Spotify and like getting that sort of, you know, there, there's so much selection out there, but there's also like, you know, all these areas of the world that, that music is like connected. And so like, you know, with music being so universal and then thinking about teaching as well. And that's why it kind of led me to want to have this conversation, throw some takes at you and see what you think. Okay. I'll bring it on. I love it. I all love right. it. And um, I'm going to check that band out tonight, by the way. Oh my God. Yeah. No good. Yeah. It's, oh my God. So good. I mean, yeah. Do we know that it's Kaleo AB is the album. And then the A slash B, I think. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly. Anyway, it's 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 great. Anyone hasn't listed it, I'll get on it. All right. So let's think about the parallels between creating music and teaching. So we talked about like you had some lessons from teaching. Like that was one of our episodes where we talked about you, you know, teaching music lessons. What are the lessons that you had from teaching music? And then we talked about that. Now I want to think about creating music, and here's why. So I did the, an episode with Erica Halverson and I, on this book, How the Arts Can Save Education, which is awesome. I'm now, just today, we did a, our first, we're calling it the uh, Teach Forward Book Club. We've done a couple iterations, but we did our first session today on that book. And it talks about, um, she has this like arts-based education thing. They go into schools and, and do like student creation and how that is like, can be like the central thing to like tie in um, education and really like build into, you know, competencies and like uh, having students tell their stories and creating stuff. Anyway, it's like pretty cool, like wow. creations at the center, right? And so yeah. they talk about the improv and, and how that it can be central to education. So my thing is like, we're creating teaching, we're creating learning experiences, we're creating, uh, kids are creating things, products of their of their own learning or products that are uh, evidence of their learning or products that are learning and doing it, right? So in creating right. music, like, and even you just said before, you're learning, like you're learning how to mix, you're learning, maybe you've uh, trip over on something where a mistake all of a sudden becomes, ooh, that sounds good. Like that's pretty, you know, those sorts of things. And so thinking about that, I was thinking about what are the ingredients for quality? of in creating music. And so I was thinking like, what are parallels between that and ingredients for quality in teaching, right? So I was thinking one about bringing your context. And so like, I'm thinking about some of the songs that you've talked about in the, in the past. You, I mean, the context for some of those songs now context being also um, like there's context for like the subject that you're bringing to like, and some of them were like love songs or some songs uh, about, you know, I know you've had some, some hard times too, that, that those songs are being, those contexts are being reflected, but also mm -hmm. thinking about the context of your influences, like your musical influences and, and how you play, like what, how do you think context, uh, bringing your context, how do you think that flies in with your own music creation? Oh man. Well, I, well, as far as the music creation stuff goes, I do believe that, that, that the initial idea comes from somewhere deep inside. I, I, I believe it's a subliminal something that either it's a certain chord that you play while you're just sitting around playing or a combination of one chord to the next or a melody or whatever it is that brings out those emotions for me personally, it's the music that draws mm -hmm. out the emotions that then leads to the lyrics. But I do think that, I mean, gosh, and it's so funny you say context because the name of my album is No Context, That's right, yeah. which was, of course, made at Andy and Kristen's place in Milwaukee. We mm -hmm. came up with that name, kind yes. of tongue in cheek. Yeah. But it does, in fact, and you've talked about 
as we all have, you know, experience these different things in life, the ups and downs, blah, blah, blah. And you do try to capture those as a songwriter. Um, but I do feel like if I come into a session or if I just come in and sit down and play the guitar and, and, and kind of thinking about writing something new, if I try to force that context into what I'm doing, it's not going to work. It, it just doesn't, it just, it, something doesn't translate for me personally. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, with music and, and, and everything, just being creative. I feel like even when we're being creative, we are pulling or grabbing from something that's already within, you know, and I feel like we are kind of releasing that into what we are doing and what we're creating and what we're trying to achieve ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so I mean, I, like the emotion. So, I mean, you just talked about the emotion and like, like the, the creation kind of brings that out. And then you're like, you're, you're, you then basically taking a representation of your emotions into the world through the music. Right. And so thinking absolutely. too, that also like, and, and, you know, maybe we're getting a little, you know, a little hoo-ha or a little spiritual, but I mean, I think teaching is also the same thing where like, there's some sort of like, this is a representation of something that I'm trying to, I, I am passionate about teaching. I am passionate about my relationships. I am passionate about even my content area. And like, I am putting something out there into the world and knowing that we do, I mean, like when you do that, you want it received well. I mean, you you can't say like, I'm going to put all this emotion into a creation, put it onto the world. And if it's not received well, you'd be like, well, I'm okay with that. Well, it probably still is like, I want, I want to share this with people. I want people to see it. And same thing for like, you know, that there is this emotion in teaching, like I'm sharing a piece of myself with the world. And you want, you want to have a quality, uh, a quality experience for those that are on the receiving end of it. So the context is important. And I think that's huge. And that's where even as, as you're talking about it, I mean, Students of all ages, of all categories, you know, whether it's math, science, music, history, they they can feel that when you do have that passion for it and you do, you know, you put a lot into what you're doing and you're feeling what you're doing. And I feel like, of course, that helps with the reception um, and to say, oh, yeah, I do like it. But I think it also drives um the students to want to grasp it that much more when it's presented in a way that you can tell that someone is, you know, genuinely interested and genuinely trying to present it to you in the way that they have interpreted it. And um, I think that just goes a really long way. I mean, it's, it, it makes it exciting for the students. I think yeah, yeah. when they see that you are willing to take a different route or I just, yeah, I mean, I just think it, just as we're talking now, I think about, even just teaching, teaching music, you know, when you come from a different angle, it just opens up this whole side of the brain that just, that, that welcomes new information that is being fed to them in a, in a different way. You know, I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting for the student and the teacher. So I got an episode coming out where uh, um, my friend Jeff, he does puzzles. So his, his, he loves thinking about puzzles. And so like, they're like a Japanese style of like logic puzzles. So they're not really any words with them, but they're different kind. They kind of Sudoku ish, but they're not, not like that, but look, kind of look like it with like a grid. Anyway, he talked about the act of creating a puzzle is and, and wanting it to be inviting for someone to engage in. And so even there where you think like, well, it's just a puzzle, but it's like how you could engage. And then, and then even thinking the teaching side, like you said, coming in at it from a different angle, would be like not even given the rules and be like, well, what do you think the rules are? 
what do you think the goal is? And then like, well, what would make it kind of a cool looking puzzle? So it invites someone to want to engage. And like, all of a sudden, yeah. like all these different facets are coming into it that students, and before we even think about a solution yet, but like, it's like, but it's, there is engage, there's, there's a, there's a giver, a creator, a receiver, like all in that. And then, and then the fun part is engaging in the process together where, you know, I could imagine you're probably having some stories of like, where you and Jason are like going back and forth and thinking about, well, what if we do this? What if we do this? And even, even, even when you hit publish, there probably still is like, well, there could be a cooler, another version. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's, yeah. but that's, that was, you said that wonderfully. Yeah. Cause it is, you know, when you're working with one other person or 30 other people, if you guys are all into it, you know, and, and you, you're willing to accept different ways, different thoughts, different processes that just makes everyone better. So in turn, everyone's learning, you know, the yeah. teacher is no longer the teacher, you know, and the student is no longer the student. The student has become the teacher, the old, you know, thank you, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. No, no, but that's no, where good. it gets really exciting. Um, and that's where we, um, you know, I think that's where, you know, we learn and we just get better. And yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's so exciting to see. So then, so in this episode of the Broken Record podcast with Robert Plant, he talked about his influence, some of the influences, and he talked about how there was, you know, the influence obviously of, you know, the Beatles and having bands and like everyone around them was having bands, but then having, you know, hearing what those, the rock bands were bringing and, and what they could hear on the radio. Right. But then there was blues artists being played over the radio too, or they get records and things about blues artists. So like, you know, blues artists from like where I'm sitting right now in North Mississippi Hill country, were like very popular over in England. And like in the, then you talking about some of the same artists that were maybe up in Chicago too, like uh, buddy guy, muddy waters and like howling wolf and like um, RL Burnside was pretty popular down here, like some cool stuff, but like, you hear the influence of those of those early blues artists in some in in the rock bands, but then also at the same time, they talk about Bob Dylan and like the folk aspect. And then you think about you listen to like Led Zeppelin and like the lyrics and the melody, like the you know the the lyrics that were happening there. But then at the same time, like some of the the guitar work that was happening, and you see like their context was also the, these musical influences that they had, that they were just like soaking up through these like pirate radio stations and the records that they could get their hands on. And I mean, and again, they had to do a lot more effort than we do to try and acquire some of that music, but they were bringing right. all that to their creation. And so like, I was wondering for you, like if you had to think like, what musical influences are you bringing to that creation? Like, what, what, what would you say? You, you know, what's funny <clears throat> is I will... Um... I will listen to songs I'm either recording or have already been published and released and I'll listen to them and, and we'll get done with them. And I kind of stop listening to it for a while. And then I'll just be driving around and put on Spotify or I'll even put on the radio here in Springfield, Illinois, which plays the same 30 songs every day, all day. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I'll, I'll have a song and I'll hear it and think, you know, this was an influence for this yeah, song. Yeah. It could be something from Stone Temple Pilots back in 1996. Oh, or it yeah. could be, it could be something from James Taylor or, you know, it, it goes all over and, 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 and it truly, I mean, it's just like, Oh my God, you I didn't even know I was doing it. You know, I, I don't think there's many songwriters, you know, maybe there was back then and maybe there's some are now. I mean, for me personally, I am not on purpose anyway, those influences kind of ooze out and they, they just kind of, 
they just they just pop their head up, you know. And and for me, I don't even realize it till after the fact. But that influence and has has been laid. That that foundation has been laid, and you don't even know what's happening, but it's happening. You know, yeah. as far as yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, it really just on the way to work this morning, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was a song by like the Eels or something like that. You know, <laughs> and I, and I heard it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally hear where I have heard that many times before, and it somehow came out in this song that I was working on that I never once thought, you know, I'm going to write something like the Eels today, yeah, or I'm yeah. like, you know, it, it just it, it's amazing how it just gets in there, and. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and that's what I was telling you. I wanted to talk to you about the blues too, because it's just, again, there's a, a record uh, producer down here, Fat Possum Records, and they do, like, their whole existence was to, like, make sure that these North Mississippi Hill Country blues artists, um, Junior Kimbrough and R.L. Burnside, and, and, like, these guys, like, their music is, like, put out into the world. Well, I was, you know, again, on the previous Broken Record podcast that I did, uh, where I talked about the um, uh, Black Keys and they had a song, like it was one of their first songs that they'd ever recorded. And I was like, oh my God, like that is, it was just like some, you know, like, uh, uh, was it Dan Auerbach, like the, his guitar playing and then, you know, got uh, Pat Carney, his drum. And it was just like, it was just like, you know, kind of grooving. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Well, I got during the pandemic, I had sent End of All Music, which is our local record store, which used to be associated with Fat Possum. It's really closely associated. But I mean, anyway, it used to be the same people that owned it. Anyway, they had a pressing of an old R.L. Burnside album of, that he recorded in like the 70s that they're like sending out with like, you know, I would order some records and they would, um, you know, it was during the pandemic, so he couldn't go in the store and they just send you a bunch of records back. And one of them was this recording of R.L. Burnside. I'm like, huh, I didn't listen to any of this, but it'd be kind of interesting. The guy's local. Put it on. And it's like, there's the same song, the same song that yeah. the Black Keys are playing. Yeah. It's right there. I'm like, oh my God. And like, and you, you heard them that, and that was a, their fa- first record label was Fat Possum. And it's like, they're bringing this context to their creation and they're putting their own spin on it, but they're not, they're not going to ignore that. That is exactly the, the influences that have had uh, the Black Keys bringing their context was the blues and bringing that. And so thinking about like, you know, the, the musical context, the things that people are bringing is, I mean, same thing as like the influences that you're bringing to your teaching. Cause the, there is an influence there. There's the influence of the things that you've seen before, the things you've explored, um, the experiences you've had, the you know resources you've been uh, exposed to. And so the same thing is like, not to apologize for it, but it's a part of you making sure like almost like you're using you. They're like assets and like thinking like I have experience, like just like Led Zeppelin and or Robert Plant, like he, like Bob Dylan was an influence and these uh, blues artists were an influence and thinking about, and, and the way that uh, all these other bands around them and were influencing who they are. And so they became this amazing, you know, amazing assembly of like people that had all these and what well, just thinking of and anytime you have john bonham in your uh in your band you're probably doing okay too so oh, period <laughs> yes great point um but so yeah so that was one ingredient for quality was bringing your context another one was bringing your skills and obviously you have to you know be skilled in order to you know create music but one thing i did want to connect to with teaching is that you didn't just i mean i think you're I would say you're gifted as a guitar player, but it, you, you've worked at it. 
you had, I mean, that wasn't just like pick it up and go like you, you had to work at. And like, there is this idea of like, you have to be skilled in order to actually create good music. And so that involves working on your craft. And that is just like teaching. You need to work on your craft. And that involves not just experience. Cause I'm assuming you probably had lots of experience where you just, you know, you could be doing the same thing over and over again, not getting any better, but like, how do you, ref- and I wonder, how do you, how did you do that, Matt? Like, how did you reflect and get better on at your craft of actually, you know, creating music? Well, going back to the influences thing. I mean, you hear other musicians playing, you know, I can remember um, playing and yeah, I could do a G, D and C and an A major chord, no problem, you know, but you start seeing and hearing these other players that are moving up and down the neck. And it's like, well, okay, I want to do that. So that opens up that door. And then you really start to tackle that and get into it and, and kind of push yourself. I think that's where it comes. I think mean, I've met a lot of players that are very skilled. They're, they they can play all day long, but they can kind of do the same thing all day mm-hmm. long. You know, yeah. you have to want to kind of step outside the lines or uh, pay closer to attention to whether it be the blues or some, you know, prog rock or some progressive jazz or something like that to, to, to open up that, that part of your mind to be not only willing to accept it, but also to accept it, digest it, and then try to not imitate it, but, you know, kind of run alongside it for a while to kind of see what it's all about. And as you said, that teachers, I mean, it's the same exact thing. You know, I I really, you have to be willing to learn at all times. You have to have your ears and your eyes open to, to get better in anything, I believe. Yeah, that really awesome. And this goes probably to how to, I mean, stick with music. I mean, you're getting up there. Been a lot of years though in music, you know, like you think oh, about it. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, no, it's the same thing with, I mean, but to stick with it though, like you probably wouldn't stick with that same guy that can do the same thing over and over again, probably not playing as often as you are because it's the same thing over and over again. And like, he's impressive at parties maybe, but like, and, and that's where the kick is, but versus like, no, I want to incorporate this new idea, this new element, this new thing into it. And so like, I mean, in the podcast, they talked about, you know, they went to Africa and, or Morocco, um, you know, Robert Plant did. And like, you heard some things and like, like the song Cashmere came from those experiences and like hearing some new things. And you hear about like Paul Simon's influences from, uh, from going to different places. And, and I think Graceland was a total, like all this polyrhythmic and sort of influence that he, he brought into his music. And it's like, those advance their skills. And so then that can advance the creativity that's happening within it. And same thing for teachers. Absolutely. Like they got to keep doing that. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, that, uh, those experiences trigger things and, yeah, you, you just, you know, even with with my students that I have now and have had over the years, if you give them one or two pieces to work on for the week, sure, they may practice their 15 or 20 minutes a day. But if you come from a different angle and say, hey, here's a, you know, let's say we're going to do Late in the Evening by Paul Simon. I want to show you this little song and you can play it like this. And, and, yeah. And by having something new and interesting, it makes you want to sit down and play and practice or look at your lesson plans or just to, you know, you really get into it when you start to, again, see it and hear it from yeah. different artists and teachers and things. And it it, it just, it, it it's very motivating and inspiring. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder like, what does it look like? You know, so like the, the marriage of like, 
you know, these two influences that come together and think like, Oh, what, what does that look like to you? Like, I know uh, one of your favorite bands is Humphreys McGee. Right. And so like, yes, you think shout about, out Humphreys McGee. yeah. So what, what do you think their influences are? Maybe you even know. I, I, I think it's a hodgepodge of things. I think they, and that's what makes them so exciting to me. And that's yeah, yeah. where, you know, they can do all kinds of different stuff. And that's where we, um, at Phrygian Frog or myself as an artist, I do not want to do the same kind of thing for every song. I, I want to just just stay outside of the box just enough where, you know, it's exciting for someone to say, just the other day, like, um, he was saying, man, I really like your upbeat songs. You know, like the slower songs, they're okay. But like, if you thought about doing like a funk song, you, saw, you know, something like that. And he goes, um, you know, it'd be really cool if we could hear like a punk, funk, reggae song. And I was like, boom, like, whoa, <laughs> that does sound really cool. You know, so I found myself that night trying to put something together oh, that's awesome. in, 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 in those genres, you know, and it was so good for me as a player to, to try to weave those in and out. And it, it really, and it was exciting for me. I mean, God, I play, I think I played for a couple hours that night, oh, just, yeah, just yeah. on that idea alone, you know, it was so exciting and to try to, to try to grab a hold of something that is just flying around everywhere you know and trying to just get it to a point where not only where i can understand it but but also present it to people or students or you know so they can understand it as well you know and it yeah. just was very exciting well, i think too like the you know so then that leads right into bringing your creativity right and so like you know seeing that that's like a well that's a really complicated problem and i don't know if i want to solve it like versus like oh this is a, and what I call those is messy tasks, right? It's a messy task. Like, what does that sound like? I'm like, Oh, let's think about that versus, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have these open-ended tasks that I'll use with my, you know, students in mathematics and not as exciting maybe as, as the reggae funk thing, but, <laughs> but still, but, but what, what the instrument is, I think is like a classroom and Friday I'm going into two different classrooms. I got this lesson that I want to see, but there's going to be two, like the, 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 instrument is like the classroom and thinking about how are they going to react to this lesson and how can I, you know, get at the the learnings and the objectives that we're supposed to do. And how can I basically play this room and not from a, like in my sort of teaching is not going to look like I'm going to stand up at the board and do a bunch of stuff. Cause that, that's not engaging. That's not embrace that. We're going to do some like some right. activities where they're all it's open-ended and they get to like tell some stories with the math and like do some other things. It's going to be, it's going to be wild but it's going to be like, I can't wait. Like I'm excited. And I got teachers that are willing to have me come to the room and do that. And so that's sort of like uh, open-endedness to, to the process, or even like, you know, probably with you with when maybe you're jamming with somebody and, and like, Oh, we're playing off of each other and like how that sort of works. And even hearing the stories of Robert Plant having a, John Bonham all of a sudden going to some sort of like he's jamming on the drums all of a sudden he goes into like a waltz beat just to like throw him off and just be like hey what you gonna do now and like yeah. having that sort of play on creativity but you can't do that if you don't bring what your influences what your skills and that and that allows you to play like if you don't have those other stuff you can't that that, that limits the amount of space that you can play around in it seems like wow that was really good Joel that's I told really, you, I, I was mean, on you I heard that podcast. I'm like, I texted you while I'm listening to the podcast. I'm walking the dog. I got the poop bag in one hand. I'm texting <laughs> with the other hand. And I'm like, I want to talk about this stuff. Cause it's like, I just, I, I don't think people see, you know, the, too many, you know, there's like the Ferris Bueller's day off where the, you know, Ben Stein's up there, Bueller, Bueller, you know, yeah. something D O O economic. And like teaching does not have to be like that. It can be this, like, it's an art. It is an art. And, and like, Oh, it's, absolutely. It's an art. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and see, and, and the way that you're talking and what you're talking about gets me excited. Like, I, I wish I could be in that classroom or one of those two classrooms on Friday and to see how it goes. But you're absolutely right with a messy task. I mean, that's where everything that you've touched on comes into play. And, and that's where it is this, you know, oftentimes when I'm when I'm teaching or even going back to Humphreys McGee, they talk about song parts or parts just being Legos, you know, and kind of stacking them together and eventually building this nice big building, which I was terrible at Legos, but just <laughs> yeah. little pieces, little parts when they all when they're all put together, you know, it, it's so exciting. And then for you to have the opportunity to show people that, show students that, or you know, my case, release something and try to show them yeah. what you're doing, that. That is so exciting. And I think in the classroom setting, uh, yeah, you cannot stand up at a chalkboard, man, when you've got your ideas. And that's where, oh, too, yeah. I mean, you're blowing my mind right now and just thinking about parallels there between music and teaching. And it is, you have to be willing to to push it. You got to push the boundaries a little bit, you know, and, not, and I think it, not only for the students or the listeners, but for yourself. If you are stagnant, and we talk about the guy who sits around and plays the same thing all day, you're not improving. It, it's yeah. not exciting. You're not going to want to sit down and do it. It's, it's going to become mundane, and, and it's just not going to be at its best. And, right. and it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the, very cool stuff, man. Well, that's what I mean. And, and too, if we, if we brace that, then we know that, you know, you can't, with you know, just really going parallels with teaching, like, you know, you hand somebody a guitar and say, get good at this guitar. And then like, you know, like a curriculum would be like a curriculum change. Like, all right, I'm taking this away. Here's a clarinet. Like, well, you weren't good at the guitar. Like, here's a clarinet, do this. And like, you keep doing that versus like, if it is an art form, let me get good at the art, right? Let me get, don't change all, all the, the ingredients in the band all the time. So I can like really hone in on something. So like when tests could change, standard could change, like, give some foundation. Right. And then once you do, Oh, the, you know, like now, cause we bring our context, our skills, our creativity, and then, you know, being able to build on that into something that's pretty, that's sustaining. And that brings me to, I got two other things, ingredients sure. for longevity. And so I said, one of the things is trusting your group. Right. So like with, um, you know, talk about the kind of thing with John Bonham changing up the, the drum beat or actually walking off stage sometimes like, Oh, they're like, we got to do some acoustic. No. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, like having that sort or like, you know, having something like that where, you know, even though if it's crazy, even I still trust him. He's one, he's going to come back or two. Like he, we have, he, they trusted not like Bonham trusted everyone else. Like they're good enough to keep it going and I can go what, get a drink and come back or whatever, you know, yeah. same thing for your people like having, you know, teaching was like trusting in your peers around you to give you good feedback, trusting in like my students. Like I have to trust them that they're bringing their asses to the, not that I, not that I don't trust my students. I got to be careful with here because there's, you're handing over some of your instruction to students and engaging in this messy task. And like, you just have to know that they're going to, they're good stuff is going to come out of that. I'm going to trust right. that process that like them engaging together with a good task that I put in front of them and me create an environment for them to do it. I'm going to trust that good stuff's going to happen that I can then extract some things and build on something with the group or else trusting even administration that 
hey, give me space to do this thing. It, it's going to be loud. It's going to be a little unorthodox, but it's going to be beautiful if you just give me the chance, right? But like, yeah. and I, I can't imagine the, the you know, given the, you put out six songs already, like you and Jason, you know, you're, you're kind of handing over babies and saying like, hey, here's, here's this thing that I've created and now help me to, to shape it into something better. Like, I don't know, like, how is that, like building up that trusting a relationship is, it's it, got to be something there. Uh, it was hard at first, definitely. And, and I had known him before we started doing this whole thing. But then yeah. again, with me sitting on these songs for seven years, so it's, right. you know, and I play them for people and I thought I was pretty proud of them. So yeah, it was, it was, it was tough for me at first, but again, we did build that trust. And, and along with that trust became open lines of communication. I could, I could say without worrying about hurting Jason's feelings or vice versa. Hey, I'm not really sure if that works right here. Uh, maybe we could try a couple of things. I'm a big drum guy. Um, and Jason, uh, he'll laugh when he listens to this, but like, oh, you know, I don't know about that snare on beat two. Can we bump it to four? <laughs> and then we'll just, you know, maybe sneak one in on the one. And he'll say like, well, we changed it last week, but I, you, know, I get, you know, we can change it again. And he's willing to do that. But that's where that trust, it, it definitely took some time for me to build it up. And I think that's where, you know, when you do get results that you're ultimately aiming for, that, that builds that trust even more. Like, okay, we are doing something right here. Um, you know, whatever, you know, another teacher, another peer had suggested, wow, that really works. Maybe I could go back and, and, and mm. touch base on this or, or yeah. future projects or whatever the case may be. But yeah, ha knowing, having that trust is huge, as you said. I mean, it just, it, it kind of takes out the whole, uh, I mean, for me, the paranoia factor, I mean, I definitely mm -hmm. was like, oh, are people going to like this? Is, is this going to go over? Are they yeah. going to learn from this? So, you know, it kind of having that that voice of reason kind of there to at least bounce some ideas off of is is huge. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and like so like having that um, that I love the, the bounce, because like, you know, so one thing a teacher will do is isolate right? They'll get in their job, they'll isolate and they'll think I've got all the problems I, or I, I've got all the solutions to my own problems. I don't want to expose people that I have needs maybe. So there's some, maybe some insecurity there too. And so they silo themselves and they say, so like the ingredients for longevity is like, you got to be open and vulnerable a little bit to somebody. And then again, building up trust in a, in a safe place, but like, I would not have been where I am today without my friend Shane, who I've been talking to now, I shoot almost 20 years every week. But I mean, when we were teaching together at Sock Prairie High School, it was, hey, I'm going to try, I would, I'd run down. It's probably just like you with a new song, like run down, like, I'm going to try this in my class. And I'd be like, you want to <laughs> yeah. try it? And he's like, uh, no, I don't. But tell me how it goes. And I would, I tried to be like, oh man, it was awful. <laughs> like, I'm going to tweak it like this. You want to try it? And he's like, no, no, but tell me how it goes. And then like the next year he would take on some of the things like, oh, that's the refined version of what the crazy stuff you were doing. Now it, it's a honed in version. Oh, I'm going to do it now. And he put his own twist on it, but it would be back and forth and back and forth and seeing how we would be doing and, and playing off of each other. But having, again, that trust in your group, whatever it is, like the all the different layers of it and knowing that, hey, there's, it's all for the, if we all have the same common goal, either it's learning of students or if it's to create a good, uh, a good song that people can connect to, like that, that's a beautiful thing. Those relationships in order oh. to get in that creation creative process yes yeah and they're they're everything and i, I uh, recently was listening to an interview uh, with dave grohl who he's kind of said oh, the same my thing gosh, yeah a lot yeah the god 
Uh, but he talked about how, of course, how he made that first album all by himself and did all the instruments and things mm -hmm. like that. But he's like, you know, I, I needed, I needed other minds, other yeah. ears, other input to make this, you know, I wanted to be in a band where you go about trusting people and just, you know, Hey, what if I tried this little lick here? You know, like, you're like, ah, I don't know about that, but you know, maybe we'll revisit it. And then they come back and, uh, you know, it just happens to fit, but just be having that bounce back, that bounce off, you know, I mean, I just think it's so huge for, uh, for growing in, yeah. in that way. And, and just for a guy like him who could put out 10 albums by himself all oh day, gosh. you know, yeah. no question about it. But for even him, I mean, so when he said that, I was kind of like, you know, wow. And that, that's what we've done these recordings. You know, I play all the instruments on my home recordings, but then I send them to Jason and we bring in a live drummer and then Jason plays the bass and they just do something different than, you know, I, where I was, I would go right down the middle, just trying to present it right down the middle and they can kind of veer off a little bit and try yeah. something a little different. And it's like, wow, that's, that's, that's great. That adds so much to what we're doing here. Right. And so like, I mean, the thing that I always say together or all the time is, uh, and something I didn't get, I got it from my uh, colleagues who did this uh, amazing book called uh, um, Smarter Together. Like, uh, We are, and just know it like, hey, we are smarter together. And so like thinking about the creative process, like, you know, Dave Grohl on his own cr create an amazing album. But then I would say the music after where he's like got people to play with and get creative with, like, that's even better. Same thing for teachers. Like, Again, you can come up with some amazing stuff on your own, but it doesn't. It's not as good as you're going to get when you start bringing others into the group, and so that's that's great. Um, so speaking of bringing other people, so Robert Plant, obviously the famous uh, collaboration he's he's had lately is with Allison Krauss, and so oh, yeah, which is amazing, beautiful music. But and so thinking about another ingredient of longevity, and we kind of talked about this already a little bit with like bringing in these other influences, but um, and so those become a part of your context as soon as you bring it in it's part of your context now, but you have to go seek them out, right? You got to go seek out these opportunities and people like, and Dave Grohl is a good example too. Like the sound city documentary where he's like on the, uh, and he's just bringing in collaborators from, you know, Rick Springfield to Paul McCartney, uh, to Trent Reznor, yeah. all these people. It's like amazing, like amazing music. They're just putting together, but like these, all these influences coming in together, there's new techniques. Well, it was a great, it was a funny story that Robert Plant shared on the podcast where he was, um, uh, first started working with Allison Cross and, and they sing beautiful harmonies together. Well, when he first started, he didn't harmonize with anybody. Like he had, uh, I think John Paul from Led Zeppelin would like do some la la la's or something like, but it was just basically him singing. He never had yeah. anyone harmonizing. So he could almost like do jazz. He could go off the riff and make it a little bit different. But like Allison Cross is like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. we can't harmonize if I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like we got to yeah. He's like, Oh yeah. I never thought about that. Like, he was like 60 years old and they hadn't thought about oh, yeah. that. It's amazing. Like, but like it added something to his repertoire. And so looking out for new techniques and influences, like to be on the lookout in order to like expand who you are as, and for him, a musician, a singer versus like, you know, who you are as a teacher. And I just had a conversation with a teacher in my um, apartment where again, she started doing these open-ended sort of things like, this is how I need to teach. Cause if I don't do it this way, and it was a completely different end to like her at the board and writing definitions down. And she's like, no, I, I, I got to do it this way. And and this is pretty exciting. And again, going back to that, it's a creative process. Right. So oh, yeah. like those new techniques and things. So it, what, what's something like recently that you've added to your repertoire or wait, wait, first a second, before you answer that, what do you think? Does that help with longevity? Like adding in these new 
techniques and influences? Oh, absolutely. You got to keep it fresh for not only yourself, but the people who you're working with, whether you're teaching them or you're writing songs with them. I think it just helps you grow exponentially. I think everything that you've talked about, absolutely. These things all, and, and they're all in us, whether we, we want to talk about it or not, as we talked about those influences are there. I mean, it, it, they, if you are open to learning from them, it, it just, you know, we're smarter together. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. What's a new group you've been, any, any new groups you've been listening to or new, uh, new artists or anything? Uh, I, I really they're new to you. It doesn't have to be to... completely new. Course, like the Tyler Childers stuff, you know, oh, I'm really yeah, yeah. enjoying some of that stuff and trying to, and that in turn has caused me to uh, play more finger style, kind of yeah, finger yeah. picking kind of things and kind of tone it down a little bit. Um, as far as I can't really pinpoint a whole lot, I've, just, I've been trying to get outside of what I've been doing, so I'm, I'm getting like the randoms. I, I'll throw things at you every now and then, like I'll throw in that what the Avid brothers, I threw them at you. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you ever get into any uh, Sergio Simpson? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. See, that, see and, that, and, and, and again, and then I'll write something and I'll record it and I'll forget about it and I'll go back and listen to it two weeks later and it's like, holy crap, this sounds like Sturgill Simpson or this <laughs> sounds, you know, without even thinking about it. It's like, well, yeah. this sounds kind of country or, you know, country alternative or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it gets really exciting for me when I'm able to look back, as I've said, and I can hear it. Uh, and then listening back to myself and thinking, wow, that crept in there. And I didn't even know it. I, I didn't, I didn't, I was not aware of it. I was not writing it on purpose and it just was there. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, and, and again, going back to this product, like my, um, my clinical instructor, Joe Dye, would talk about like, you know, he just steals everything because to become a better teacher, like in, he sees what other teachers are doing, just like with what kind of we're talking about, not stealing, but like, you know, these influences that are coming all around you and how, and, and he would use those to become a better teacher. But you see like, you know, the, the beautiful, the music that I love to listen to now, and you think about all the different influences that have fed into it, you know, and there was big movements from, you know, thinking about like back when the Beatles like blew up. And, and then you think about when Bob Dylan, uh, you know, brought in kind of the Irish folk sort of thing into New York. And then that went back to England and then the blues went to England and then the British invasion came. And then, and then now yeah. we have like, you know, rock into country. And then like the, even when um, Nirvana came out and all these sorts of different influences like come together and it's like, music is pretty awesome. And you think, of, and it's like kind of like this connection you can see all these different influences together but then knowing that too, we see some of those same things happening in the classroom as well, where these influences are coming together. And yeah, like we, and it's all the trying to help students learn now in its best form when, when it's not being stripped down, when the, when the creativity is not being stolen from teachers, like you see some amazing things that people have accumulated and, and being able to accomplish in the classroom. And so, I don't know, I just, I love, I love music and I love thinking about it. I love uh, the fact that you're willing to come on here and, and jam with me about these. Uh, see what, oh, I'm like, I got I some it, takes man. for you, Matt, and see what it is. You, you got, you got me excited, man. You really, I, I think it's great what you're doing and just your ideas. I mean, and, and, and just again, just a parallel, really, you, you've opened my eyes to that. And, and I was doing both of them for 10 years. I was writing <laughs> music and teaching lessons and I didn't really put, put it together, you know, and you're absolutely right though. I mean, really, it's a beautiful thing. And, and around and around we go. And you That's just, right. as, as long as you are willing, um, willing to kind of pay attention and learn and listen, you know, I, 
the possibilities are endless. You know, it's really, that's, that's the exciting thing for me. Awesome. So, all right, let's, let's, what, so what's going on? What, what, what do we got the, so you, you mentioned the songs that are coming out now. Let's, let's, uh, let's make sure to promote what you got going. And we'll, uh, we'll, again, we'll put links in the show notes to everything that Matt's got going with regards to music, but let's uh, now I'm going to give you the floor here. Sure. Well, um, starting back, I think we had talked about maybe Suncrest. Suncrest, yes. Or out of the clouds, maybe. But since then, we have released The Pace, which is a little more upbeat, kind of a rocker kind of thing, yeah, yeah. with a nice little uh, piano and cello part in there, played Ooh, by Jason nice. Waddell, which is it's very nice. Um, and then we did um, This Too Shall Pass, which was, um, I hate to call it my um, pandemic song, but it definitely was my pandemic song i mean yeah. it, it was you know and i actually wrote that intro the guitar part i can remember a while um sitting in the bathroom while gracie was in the tub you know <laughs> and i remember doing that and i remember recording and sending it to a friend and just to go back to our influences and stuff i said who does this sound like is, is this already a song and my buddy was like no i don't think so you know but it kind of sounds like i can't remember what he said but you know there's always that that worry is as, as a songwriter, like, is this already been done? You know, did yeah, it yeah. creep in there subliminally? So that one's out there. Nice vocal harmony. It's kind of a chill song. That one was really fun to make. And then uh, we have Better Safe Than Sorry that we just released uh, last week that we really, this is our first promotion that we're doing for, but kind of letting it sit for a little bit. Nice. And that kind of comes with, uh, uh, with releasing numerous songs at this point, you know, whereas with the first song, I was all over it. We did a promotional video. We did all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of for this one, like, let's just let it sit there for a little while. And we've already started working on the next one. A Better Safe Than Sorry was a song that I wrote probably in about 20 minutes, about seven years ago. Um, after, uh, well, my now ex-wife, uh, we were dating at the time. It was one of the many times she broke up with me. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm better safe than sorry. I should just get out of this. And of course, I did not. And I wouldn't change that for the world. But um, that, that song was really fun to make. Very straightforward. And uh, uh, Jason and I both had a lot of fun. And, and it was our first. Um, we put in a, uh, a shaker and a tambourine on this nice. latest one, which are played by yours truly. But Jason plays the <laughs> bass. And we got... Uh, Chris Gunn on the drums and, and uh, it's something that we're pretty proud of. And, and I, we're just going to continue to roll them out. We really are doing a lot of things. Uh, Phrygian Frog has um, some great YouTube videos, educational videos, as far as production and mixing and things like that, that I definitely suggest people check out if you're into the production mixing side of music. Um, Jason does a great job of, of explaining things. Of course, he teaches this stuff, um, but just very, um, you know, even I understand it. You know, so it's just pretty, he lays it out there for you. So you can really digest it, which is really cool. Um, but again, man, I mean, uh, I just pulled out my old computer, as I told you, and took a little uh, flash drive and pulled off about 12 songs off of that. You know, again, these are from, you know, probably as recent as a couple of years ago. I've since upgraded to a newer computer, which has been wonderful, I must say. <laughs> um but so now I'm putting all those songs onto my new computer and kind of going back and revisiting those things along with the new stuff I'm writing. And the new stuff I'm writing, I mean, goes anywhere from your Stoghill Simpson to uh, Pat Metheny to, you know, just it's it just it, it's it's fun for me to think about releasing songs now and knowing that my ultimate goal is to not be pigeonholed is to not write a certain kind of music. And Jason has given me the Liberty to, you know, write whatever you want, write a that's metal awesome. song. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we, we want to be outside the box, you know, and that's been, that's been really, really fun for me. And 
without this music and the songwriting, uh, I mean, it truly is therapeutic for me. And, it, and it's very exciting and motivating. And I'm just so thankful to be able to do it. And um, I just think a lot of good things are coming. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know how much joy I got out of like, you know, around a holiday and you'd bring a guitar out and just start, you know, just jamming on it and doing just a bunch of different things. I'm like, I, you know, one of the things that I'm finding out about my personality and obviously from this podcast experience is like, I don't want to like, I'm enjoying it, but I'm like, man, other people would enjoy this too. (laughs) You know, like it's wanting to share with, I'm so glad that you're, you're out there that you're sharing things with others and you're getting to put this stuff that you've, you know, like you said, for seven years, you've been sitting on some of these songs and like the fact that you get to release them in the world. I'm so happy for you, Matt. I'm so glad. And and again, uh, as the musical director of the Amazon Planet podcast, we are so excited to be partnering with you and also to get a chance to, to talk every now and then. And you get to, and unfortunately you get to be my outlet from all my, my hot takes on, on music and teaching together, but uh, they're, they're coming in a lot. So, but anyway, I appreciate you, Matt. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, and we look forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Joel. It's always a pleasure, man. You're great. Keep doing the great work. And uh, yeah, we're all proud of you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. All right, there it is. Um, again, <laughs> all over the place. But you know what? It's one of the reasons I love this podcast is like having an opportunity to share some things and maybe, you know, maybe I'm like, well, that was kind of scattered. Or maybe you're like, hey, that was cool. It was cool having a conversation about getting excited about something, seeing the parallels with teaching. Matt's passionate about music. Joel's passionate about teaching. And they both are helping each other advance in their understanding of, of what it means to be a creator. And so there you go. That's the conversation. So show notes for this episode, links to Matt's uh, music uh, will be uh, in the show notes for this episode, which can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 68. And you can also find music to any or links to any other references. Like, so the episode that we had with Erica Halverson will be there on how the arts can save education. That's a, a great episode. If you're thinking about this connection between creativity and teaching and, and how to tap into those and, and be, a, um, I don't know, an outlet for those students that might not be reached in more traditional methods. And, you know, and I always hate saying traditional method is like, there's like this regular track. Why we, we're moving the track. The track is moving so that, you know, maybe that this using tapping into creativity is the traditional way to teach. That's, that's the vision. That's the vision for going forward. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, links to the episode can be found at, uh, to, for that have been mentioned in this episode can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 68. Lots of stuff from Phrygian Frog there. Lots of stuff in Ma- Matthew Mifflin there. And then also, if you're looking for other ways to support, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Whenever you do that, you are bringing some attention to maybe some other folks that want to have conversations or hear conversations like the one you just heard. And also, if you know of somebody like, hey, you know what? Maybe someone needs to hear this. Go ahead and share the episode. That's a great way to get exposure as well. Is like, And also, it's a way to show that you're caring about somebody that like, hey, I I think you'd get a kick out of hearing this episode. Even if they don't listen to it, it's still kind of a like, hey, I'm thinking about you sort of thing. So anyway, just saying. You can also find us uh, uh, on all the socials at Amazon Planet. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you're on. And we usually put out, if we have a new episode, there's usually some sort of notice on some of those. We're also, um, uh, the, there's also a Facebook page that you can like or follow, whatever it is there. And if you're looking for other ways to um, support the podcast, you can go to the Amazon Planet store, Amazon Planet Bookshop. Links to those can be found at the footer at AmazonPlanet.com. And all the proceeds from purchases that you make, anything that we get, go to support the production costs of the podcast. So 
Um, and uh, I saw Daniel out there was uh, purchasing some sweatshirts and some uh, t-shirts and I really appreciate that because those proceeds go to support the podcast. So thank you, Daniel. All right. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Eminem Planet Podcast. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode and for sharing his time. Uh, we also want to say uh, thank you. Uh, just, yeah, that we get to use his music before and after every episode. We love it. Finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.